My name is Christian. And I'm Rob. And this is Faith 168. There are 168 hours in every week. And in those 168 hours, we need Jesus to make it through. So join us every week as we share devotions, talk about standing boldly in the Word of God, and answer tough questions submitted by you, our listeners. Welcome Welcome to to Faith 168. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening to this, we thank you for joining us here at Faith 168. Today, we're going to talk about a very controversial uh, topic, and I have our brother Rob here with us today, our co-host, and uh, we also have a guest speaker who I'll let brother Rob introduce here in a little bit, but we are going to talk about the topic of abortion. Uh, It's no no secret that there's a lot of people that are upset and angry uh, and have varying opinions on this. Uh, And I have heard many times when speaking up as both brother Rob and I are very pro-life that we hear the saying, no uterus, no opinion. And though we don't agree with that because we're talking about life and both brother Rob and I do have a life, therefore we believe that we can speak up on life. We do agree with the fact that a man can never fully understand what a woman goes through in pregnancy. And also we have these statistics and these studies of women that go through with abortion. And even though we have those, those studies don't show the many varying thoughts that lead a woman down that path. So it's not our wish today as we talk about this topic to demean or belittle a woman who has had an abortion, because for the most part, they're most likely suffering from severe emotional and psychological pain. But instead, our point in bringing this up is to extend the same grace that Christ offered all of us in all of our sin. And so the purpose of this podcast today is not to complain about how the world is crumbling and talk about political stances, but it's to shed light on the deteriorating morality of the world and what the scripture has to say about that. So brother Rob, do you have anything to say? And if you do, or you don't, uh, you can introduce our guest after you share your input. Absolutely. So one thing that I always mention is that truth is truth, no matter uh, what gender you are, no matter what color your skin is, no matter how old you are, um, if you tell the truth, it is truth. Not because of the person telling the truth, uh, but because the fact that truth is truth. We live in a world that likes to think that truth is subjective, that I have my truth. Uh, but as we see the world around us, we can see evidence, not just spiritually, uh, but also physically, that truth is truth. If I drop an apple, it's going to fall to the floor. Why is it going to fall to the floor? Because gravity. That is simply truth. In the same way, um, life is life. And if I say that or somebody else says that, it doesn't matter uh, because life is life is a a true statement. And so uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. And I completely agree with you, brother. I um, I am extremely, extremely pro-life. And I believe that, that every life, 
uh, whether that life is born or unborn, whether that life um, has uh, is uh, a smart life or a not very smart life, or whether that uh, whether that person has uh, great ability or whether that person has very little ability. I, I think that all life is uh, is the expansion of the image of God, and that's what we as as people are called to do by our Creator is to expand the image of God, and so that's what we're going to talk about today. If you are listening to this and you have uh, you have had an abortion, we love you. We uh, believe that Jesus loves you. We believe that he died for you to save you from your sins, just like he saved me from my sins. Uh, I guarantee you I've done worse things in my life than you could ever imagine. Uh, and so I'm not condemning you whatsoever. In fact, the Bible says uh, that if we believe in Jesus, then we, there is no condemnation. There's no condemnation in Christ. Uh, but if we don't believe, we're condemned already. And so uh, what we're trying to do is shine the light of the gospel on a, a very sensitive issue. And so to do that, we're, we're bringing uh, along uh, Sister Heather, and she is going to share her testimony with us. And Sister, we thank you so much for, for doing this with us. Uh, we are, are so grateful to, to hear your side of the story, to hear from you, not only um, because you are a woman, uh, but because you are a child of God, and, and God has brought you to the place that you are right now for a reason. He, he allowed you to go through the things in your life that you've gone through for this very moment, and, and not saying that, that this uh, is, is something spectacular that we're doing, uh, but but. My prayer is that somebody will listen to this, even if it's just one person, hear your story and understand the love and the grace and mercy of God. And if one person's life is changed, if one person finds Jesus, if one heart is healed, uh, then this is all worth it. So thank you, Heather, so much for uh, for joining us today. Why don't you introduce yourself and, and share your testimony with us? Thank you guys so much for having me. My name is Heather Hawkins. And I am the founder of Mercy's Garden, which is named after my unborn daughter. Mm -hmm. And I believe what you're doing is spectacular. We have to come to the table. We have to talk about the truth. Yes, the truth is the truth. And uh, we all have a story. We all have a testimony. And any opportunity that I get to share mine, I'm so grateful because my life is a beauty for ashes story as uh, as we experience uh, when Jesus comes in and, mm. and changes our life. And uh, it is definitely a graves to gardens yeah. uh, story. So abortion affected me way before, you know, I, I understood. Uh, so in you know roe v wade was passed uh january 22nd 1973 so i was born august 1973 so when that law was passed i was a baby in the womb yeah. and i was about the you know i was probably 10 weeks and that is a, a lot you know eight to ten weeks is a lot of um of the most vulnerable time mm. for that baby in the mm. womb. And I am the only survivor of my mother's womb. My mother mm. had abortions. I'm the only one of her children that was not aborted. Uh -huh. So I will not meet my siblings until heaven. Mm -hmm. So um, mm. it affected me way before 
I realized. Yeah. Um, so I definitely consider this to be the fight of my life, um, yeah. for life. Um, when I was born, you know, my mom even just told me on Mother's Day, I wanted you. Mm-hmm. I wanted you so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just talked about putting her hand on her belly and uh, me kicking. And she just couldn't wait to to meet me and to hold me. And I believe she had every aspiration and desire to want to be a good mom. The problem was abortion damages women abortion damages motherhood abortion mm-hmm. creates ptsd mm-hmm. uh, post-abortion trauma uh, there's just so many things that happen to women uh, mm-hmm. when they have chosen abortion so here she had this precious life um, but she was just so hurt and damaged so we mm-hmm. went through a lot um, i um, grew up you know in a, a home with my mom with alcohol and drugs and and all of those things my mom was a very hurt person. Uh, She was put on a bus at the age of 18 uh, to go to a big city uh, to abort Mm. and just given some money and just, well, you know, just go take care of it. And then she didn't come back the same. And then she was sent the next year for the same thing. Um, And that's so common because the damage has been done. and then the next year she had me in 1973. So my mom later became the greatest prayer warrior of my life. So I, I can't, you know, not, but I would just have to say that um, God has a redemptive plan. So when I was about 20, 21, my mom uh, really did just uh, changed her life, followed Christ and she became my greatest prayer warrior. Um, I grew up uh, with my dad, uh, who is is the rock of my life and has always been. Um, and I, I moved in with him when I was about 13. And so I had a couple of years of a normal childhood. But, you know, things that we grow up in, things that we see that we say we're never going to do, um, we, will, we can end up doing them. And so I was drinking and doing drugs at an early age and I did not graduate high school. Uh, I was just like a credit and a half short and and just decided I wanted to go work. And uh, when I was working, I met um, a man that I married six months later. And then we, um, our marriage was not founded on the Lord. That was not our stability. We were very selfish. And so that marriage crumbled uh, in little over a year. Mm-hmm. So we were separated from each other. We were just estranged from each other, living, you know, unmarried lives, uh, but still legally married. So that was devastating to me. That was a big wound. Mm-hmm. Um, divorce was a big wound. And, and that changed me. It just really took a hit on my life. You know, the enemy looks for hits to take on you. Yeah. So, um, you know, I had other relationships and I was working one day at um, a a place uh, in the mall and I didn't feel very good and I got sick and, you know, it was a different kind of sick than I had ever felt before. And I was like, something's not right. And I was at that time, 20 years old, almost 21. So I went to this little walk-in clinic down the road and uh, they did a routine pregnancy test and the doctor came back in and he said, congratulations, mommy. And my whole world just kind of came crumbling down because I was already an alcoholic. Mm. Um, I was using heavier drugs at that time. And I just thought, and I thought about how I grew up with my mom. And I just thought, what am I going to do to a baby? And I didn't even want to 
say that word. I didn't, I was just was in such denial. So I left there and there was no, that right there was an opportunity. If I'm crying, that was an opportunity for that doctor to help get me to, and this happens a lot of times, either there's no help given or well here you can get the number to this clinic and this abortion clinic and they'll take care of you. Or, you know, the, the beautiful way is if they know of a pregnancy center and can help get you there, you know, I needed help and nobody was giving me any help. So I basically Mm -hmm. left there and stayed in denial for about a week. And then, um, someone planted the seed of abortion to me someone with their own selfish, selfish interest. Mm -hmm. It was not the father, um, but someone who was influential in my life at that time. Mm -hmm. And we make our own decisions, but that planted a seed. I don't even think that had crossed my mind, but that planted a seed in me. And so I made one phone call to an abortion clinic in Memphis, Tennessee. And so I was living in Clarksville, Tennessee. Nashville would have been the quickest option or you know, but it literally at that time was the first thing that I saw in the phone book. Mm. And that just, you know, now it's, you know, a Google search, you know, what comes up first. That's why this matters so much and supporting the pregnancy centers matters so much because yeah. when they Google a lot of times that first thing that they see is who they're going to reach out to and who they're going to call. Mm-hmm. So um, I went to the father of the baby and I asked him for half of the money. And I just thought, you know, he was very reluctant and very resistant uh, in giving me that um, the money. And I just thought, well, you know, you are half of the reason why I'm in this situation that I'm in. And then you're going to be selfish and not help me. Mm. And what I didn't see until many years later and going through healing, he didn't want me to do it, Mm. but he did not feel like he had a voice to say that. Mm. And I can still all these years later, see his face looking up at me like, why, you know, Mm. why are you doing this? And all I could see is what the enemy had sold me that if I abort, then it'll be over with Mm. and my tragedy will be over with and I can move on with my life. Mm. My life at that time was disastrous. I was an alcoholic and a drug user, a light drug user. And so my life wasn't in a good place. And for most of the ladies that end up in a clinic, their life isn't in a good place to begin with. So he gave me the money and, um, a friend took me and we pulled up, you know, Memphis was about like a four hour drive. So I can hardly even remember what was on my mind on the way there. Um, it was just very, very dark. And we pulled up to this old house in the historical area and it looked very scary and very dark. And I just thought, this doesn't look like a medical facility. You know, this looks um, a little bit like a, a horror movie. You know, yeah. it was was very dark and it was exactly what it was. So we go into um, the, um, the foyer area and there's some chairs and stuff. And uh, they gave me paperwork to fill out. And um, I was like only one other person. There was one other person besides the person who took me in that room. And so the lady doing my paperwork was really nice. And I sat down and I was feeling it out and I look at that door that I just walked in that front door and I wanted to run out that door, 
but mm-hmm. I was paralyzed in fear. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there was a really popular song by Tim McGraw called Don't Take the Girl. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew she was a girl. And then I heard a voice, you know, telling me to go. But I had a baby girl and I was just frozen in fear. Mm. So um, I handed in my paperwork and then I went back to this room, uh, sort of in the back of this house. Um, it was just, you know, a really old house and it would have been the kitchen area. Well, when I walked into that room, there were like 15 other girls in that room, all mm. crowded in this room doing blood work. And I remember it just, it hit me like, what is this? Mm. Um, and so I was like, this doesn't feel any private anymore. This feels, uh, this feels dark. So, um, I sat in a chair uh, to get my blood work done and there was another door right beside me and I wanted to run out it. I, I passed out when they did my blood work. I mean, everything inside of me was like run Mm -hmm. and just being frozen. So, um, I then went into a counseling area. And so, um, this was 1995. So just to, you know, just to give a year of of how things, you know, happened Mm -hmm. or where things were, a lot of things have advanced since then on both ends, good and bad. But so I sat in that room and they showed me a video of what my procedure would be like, and it would be a surgical procedure. And I sat in that room by myself and the video was very deceptive. Uh, The lady in the video was almost laughing uh, because, you know, like it tickled or it was a little bit uncomfortable. And uh, that was a very big lie. When the video was over, I went into another room where where my counselor was and she did not give me any other options or information. I went to Memphis. I went to that house expecting some kind of help. I really hoped that someone was going to come in and rescue me Mm. and I wouldn't have to go through that day. Someone was going to come in and get me. And the only question I asked was if I would be able to have children later. And she said, well, I don't see why not, but I don't have any guarantee. That was the extent of my counseling. Mm. And then I sat mm. for like three hours of a waiting period before my procedure, before they would call my name. These waiting periods have changed and mattered so much. You know, a few years ago, it became a 48 hour waiting period in Tennessee. Mm. You know, a lot can happen in 48 hours, yeah. a lot. So that that's very, very, very important. But yeah. I sat at the end of the staircase and, um, I looked at it and I was like, I saw all these girls coming down from the staircase and they looked lifeless mm-hmm. and empty and dead. And I knew that they were going to call my name and I was going to have to go up that staircase. Mm-hmm. So eventually they did. And I went up the staircase and I went to a room on the right. Um, I recognized the equipment uh, from the video that I watched and um, the doctor didn't even look at me. He didn't say my name. He didn't introduce himself to me. Nothing. That is not healthcare and women deserve so much more than that. Um, it looked, um, very dark. There was a little window at the top. It again, just looked like a horror movie. 
So I laid down on the table and I had nurses on the side of me who were holding my hands at first. And then as they began, I squeezed really tight because it hurt and they threw uh, their, my hands away from them and just said, you know, um, that hurts and just, just threw it away. And I just thought I'm all by myself in here and no one is coming to get me. Mm. Nobody's going to come rescue me. Mm. Um, I screamed because it was very painful and the doctor stood up and this was the first time he acknowledged me. He stood up and looked at me and he said, if you make one more noise, I'm going to send you to the emergency room and they can deal with you. And that is when the veil was tore back from his face. And I literally saw the devil Mm. and I wanted to say stop, but I didn't know if it was too late. I didn't, I didn't know anything. And they proceeded and I just felt the voice. I heard the voice of the enemy say to me, I just got you to take the life of your child. Mm. And there's nothing, nothing that will prepare your soul for that it literally took all the life out of me when they were finished i basically slid lifelessly off the table and i made it to the four-year area and came face to face with my doctor and he was tall he looks looking down at me i was like to his chest and he was eating a sandwich And I realized he was going back and forth from two rooms, just back and forth. And I remember looking up at him and just thinking, how could you eat at a time like this? Like, do you know what just happened? I just lost my child. How can you eat? Mm -hmm. And he just gave me the just grimmest smile. And I made my way to a, a changing area and I hit my knees and I knew what I had done. And I begged for God's forgiveness. And then I just made a deal with God that I never deserved to have anything good in life. My life is worthless. Mm -hmm. And if he would just take me out of this world whenever he sees fit, I never Mm -hmm. deserve to be a mom, never deserve anything good for what I've done because I just took her life. I just took my daughter's life. So my life isn't worth anything. And when I stood up, I began to live my life on death row for the decision that I made. Mm. I went to the recovery area and it was a big room with about 15 beds and um, ladies just laid on each bed crying and sobbing. And I heard one girl in particular that really stuck in my mind and she said it really hurt bad this time. And I just thought, how not from a judgment place but i just thought how could she how could she live to go through this twice i don't even know if i'm gonna live to make it through this and my heart just still i still i pray for that lady because that hit me so hard and i put my hands over my ears and i was just like i'm never gonna remember this day ever but yet all these years later i can recall all those details It's not the same for a lot of women are put to sleep uh, so they don't have any of those memories. It's just, I know God showed me the horrific, dark, horrible truth. You talk about the truth, the truth about what that was so that I can now speak it and call it out for what it is. Uh, When we left there that day, um, I knew my life was never going to be the same. And when I was on that porch, 
I saw a guy, I was young, I was 20, almost 21, and I saw like a 17, 18 year old girl and I want to just cry out to her, leave. Mm -hmm. And I had no voice. I had nothing inside of me. When I got home, I tried to go about my life, which was not in a good place anyway, but I tried to pick up some kind of pieces. But when I looked at myself in the mirror, I was not the same person anymore. I was never the same after that. So I plummeted into heavier addiction. I got way more into pills and cocaine and the the drinking got more and there were unhealthy relationships. And I just wanted to die. And I was never suicidal in the fact that I was going to take my life, but I was going to drink and do drugs until I died, until I woke up one morning and I was gone. I mean, that's all I wanted. My life was worthless to me. Um, I moved around a lot because I wanted to get away from the pain. I wanted to get away from myself and I could not do that. I could not get away from the pain of losing my child. In one of my moves, I moved to, um, to, uh, to California and I stayed with some friends and uh, I was in Oakland and I lived in part of the bus station that didn't even have regular floors. Half the floors were dirt. And in my mind, I was just like, this is me getting away and I'm going to start a whole new life here. And the first night I was at that apartment, they put all this cocaine out on the table. And I was like, I have gone across the country. I live in Kentucky, across the country, and I've gotten away from nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Uh, one of the roommates that we lived with uh, sold drugs to his coworker, and they stole his keys one night when he was at work. And they came in on me and the other roommate, and they held us at gunpoint. They took all the drugs that were there. Uh, they beat the other roommate up, and as I laid on the floor with my hands over my head and waiting for bullets to go on my back, I cried out to God. I didn't even cry to save my life, to, for him to save my life. I cried that it would be over with quick, and all I could think about was this is the way my parents are going to, my and my grandparents, this is how they're going to find me. This is how they're going to know that their daughter, this is how their daughter died. Uh, they left, and um, you know, you think, well, you didn't die. Like God saved your life. Well, I got high the next day off the drugs they didn't find. And so I've done a lot of work in recovery and they say, what is the turning point for you? What's your rock bottom? What, you know, destruction do you have to live for God to change you, for you to give up what you do? I knew that I deserved pain and destruction. I never thought I deserved anything else but that. But that is not how God met me. Mm. <laughs> 10 years after my abortion, uh, I was living in Florida. I went for a walk. I didn't feel good that day. Um, my boyfriend encouraged me to go to the doctor. I went to the emergency room. Uh, they did a very early ultrasound on me. Mm. And they came back in and said, you're pregnant. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I just, I, abortion never crossed my mind. And, and like I said, it's very common for that to happen. But all I wanted to know is what kind of a God who had saw everything that I did and saw all the mistakes that I made and how I turned my back on him so many times, what kind of a God would meet me with that love and give me the second chance at being a mom? 
So I began to pray and he gave me the name Grace. And I had no idea what that meant. I just thought, oh, that's so pretty. And the Lord revealed to me good and evil very vividly Mm -hmm. and that I had a very big choice to make for me and my daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I now know what that was, the narrow road that I knew that he was in and he was going to take care of us and keep us. And then the wide road to destruction where I was going to have to leave everything behind, including Mm -hmm. her father, Mm -hmm. just everything so that we would be safe and we would be with him. So July 4th, 2004, well, February 17th, 2004, my daughter Grace was born and I literally kissed the face of Grace. Mm -hmm. You never know you're going to love something so much. And she just, God sent her to save my life. Mm -hmm. A baby in the womb led me to Christ. Mm -hmm. That precious life led me to Christ. So July 4th, 2004, in a church service in North Carolina with my um, high school friend, um, I went up to the altar with that baby in my arms and surrendered my life to him. Amen. And he took away all the pain. Mm. He took away the alcohol and the drugs. And he gave me a brand new life. We moved back to Kentucky and or moved to Kentucky and God just, I started going to church. I started going to Sunday school, started uh, teaching little kids. If you don't know the the Bible and you want a good place to learn, go teach some little kids because (laughs) (laughs) they aren't going to judge you because they don't know that, that you don't know. And I learned so much and just the preciousness of being with them. Um, The Lord led me to uh, the pregnancy center that was just uh, two doors down from the salon that he blessed me with. Um, And when I walked through those doors, it was a big old house in the historical district, but it was full of life. (laughs) It was just, it glowed with life. And I walked in there and I felt something I'd never felt before. And I wanted to volunteer there and help ladies who, you know, had been through what I had been through. And I didn't want them to make that decision. And the woman that the Lord wanted to help the most was me. And so I went through um, the uh, peer counseling to help other women. But because, and that was the first time I really shared my story, but because I was post-abortive, they require that you go through uh, an abortion recovery study, a Bible study, and it's called Surrendering the Secret. And so every Tuesday, I would go up these stairs in that big old house (laughs) and go to a room on the right. And God restored me and he Mm. healed me and he gave me beauty for ashes. And I was able to honor my unborn daughter. I got to have a memorial service for her Mm -hmm. and God named her mercy. And she surely was God's is God's mercy on Mm -hmm. my life. His mercy and grace, both of my daughters saved me. Um, God has blessed me abundantly and I can't wait uh, to the day I really get to hold her. 
Um, he started a ministry that I founded called uh, Mercy's Garden, and we do prayer and support groups. We do the Surrendering the Secret Bible Study, and we do healing weekends. Mm -hmm. And I have found the greatest sisterhood, the thing that the commonality that we ladies have, the thing that was, it took our children and the enemy tried to kill us with it. And then God gave us life and mm -hmm. uh, beauty and restoration. Um, I got to lead a, a, a mobile ultrasound unit. I prayed in sidewalk council outside of the abortion clinics for years. And I want to make sure that those ladies hear love. They hear truth, but they hear mm -hmm. love. Absolutely. So, yeah, I want, I will stay until the last lady leaves. And um, I want the words that she hears to be, God loves you. Mm. Uh, can I pray for you? Can I give you healing information? And then, but when they go in, you know, I've got 30 seconds to tell them I chose abortion. I miss my unborn daughter every day. Um, God has a plan. Let me help you. Let me pray for you. So I managed a mobile ultrasound unit that uh, where we were able, we actually pulled that mobile unit up to two of the abortion clinics in Nashville. And from uh, years of people praying and being out there, that one closed. <laughs> so <laughs> it was just a miracle. You're like, this is mm -hmm. what we pray for. This is yeah. what we do. And God did it. And that's where we're at, where we're at right now. Like this matters. Everything that we do matters. Mm -hmm. Yes. And yes, and uh, one of the greatest things uh, that God has done, I also serve on the board of directors at Life Choice Pregnancy Center uh, in Russellville. The pregnancy centers are the front lines. And when Roe v. Wade is overturned, this will not stop our work. We have work to do. These are mm -hmm. many more families, many more children uh, that need help. And we have just got to be a culture of life. And I just pray that all of those abortion facilities, when they are shut down, they become um, life centers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and everything that the enemy meant for harm, uh, God will heal and restore. Uh, families need resources. So we yes. have a lot of, we, our work is not done when, you know, that is changed and i still believe we should march when i've gotten to go to the march two or three times in dc and any each time i went i heard well we hopefully we won't have to march next year and i was like we need to march every year mm -hmm. in the honor of these babies and the memory yeah. of these babies including my own right. that was lost I and mean, we can't forget you know all of these lives precious lives lost and one of the greatest things that god did for me was to take me back to memphis and that was a few years ago and even after all of my healing and all that god has done the when i heard memphis i cringed yeah. but i was coming back from a pro-life conference in new orleans uh with it was abby johnson's pro-life uh women's conference and i put in my gps and one route took me through memphis and i was like lord it's going to be dark when i get there um, I don't want to go. <laughs> I'm scared. And he was like, go, I'll be with you. So I drove up on a little bit of a rainy night and I stood in front of that abortion clinic, that old house. Um, the center, the clinic has moved on and is in another facility, but I stood in front of still in my mind, what was this big, huge, dark place. And it all crumbled in front of me. The the fear, any fear I had left in me, all crumbled looking at that. And just, I got to look and just say, oh, death, where is your sting? Mm -hmm. 
I got I got to plant a flower there in honor of my daughter. So yeah. totally a graves to garden situation. Mm. And I go there and pray at the the new clinic that's there. Um, this my place that I went to the house was the second generation of that pregnancy. I'm sorry, that abortion clinic. The first one was started in the 70s, and all of these ladies from the south would come and they put it right across the street from the bus station so that these ladies could be bused there, walked over, you know, they can walk over and then go back. <laughs> then that what I had where I was was the second place. I prayed at the third location when I went back the second time to Memphis and then, then they moved into their fourth location. This fourth location is millions and millions of dollars put into this big, it's huge. It, on the top level, babies are birthed. Women go in there and give birth. And on the bottom level, babies are aborted. Uh, this all day long. It uh, is actually the schizophrenia of our culture of life and death. Uh, so I go there and pray and march. And so the, the city of destruction became the city of my dreams. And yeah. I just believe that God has a call for me there. And, you know, we have a voice. Yeah. Our story has power. They overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Right. And that second mm -hmm. is they did not love their life as to much to shrink back for death. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we're saved. God has saved us from so many things. We have to go and go to those dark places because yeah. people are hurting. So right. I appreciate you guys. Your voice matters so much and opening up this forum for my voice. And I just thank you for the opportunity to share. Absolutely. Yes. Well, we thank you so much uh, for, for sharing with us. And uh, that's not an easy thing to recount, but God has given you such a great testimony yes. in that. And that's the testimony that, that we want young ladies going through uh, these situations to hear that, that though the enemy might convince you that you are worthless and that he just got you to do something awful, God, he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but through him, the world might be saved. That's what John 3.17 says. That's right. And so he doesn't Amen. want to push someone's face down in the dirt. He sees that we're already on this road to condemnation, but he wants to save us from that. He wants to lift us up. He wants to cast out that fear, that, that passage that says perfect love, cast out fear. Uh, you experience that in, in your redemption story as well. And so we just thank you so much for, for sharing that. And I want to talk a little bit more uh, concerning some scripture too. Uh, about this and, and there's a reason why we are pro-life it's not just because we have a moral code as humans because the moral code of humans is that you know we survive that we reproduce that we we create new life and that's how life continues on and and moves forward so we have this in our our moral code just as humans in our law uh, as humans, but it's also a part of, of God's law why we look at this. So I want to look at Exodus 20, 13, and this is a part of the Ten Commandments. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to explain how God is saying this, because a lot of times we read this 
and we use this big strong voice that's like screaming down and looking down upon us like like we're the scum of the earth but that's not what god is doing here but exodus 20 13 says do not murder and what we find from that like all scripture god gives us this command not because he wants to bully us not because he wants to make us feel bad but because he knows the destruction that these things lead us to and heather you shared with us so greatly about what happens in those abortion clinics that when these young ladies are are fooled and, and tricked into thinking that this is a normal thing uh, that they go through this procedure thinking that everything is going to be all right after the procedure is over. But yes. then they go into that recovery room and they're sobbing. They're, they're broken down and they leave out of there, as you said, almost lifeless. And yes. that's why we have this command to do not murder. Not because God is going to look at us and we go through that and he's going to beat us up over it because we see some of the greatest people of scripture what did they do they they went through many dark times david himself he uh sent a man to the front lines to be murdered uh and christ says that if you have hate in your heart that's the same thing as murder and, and so we can't condemn one sin over another but god says don't murder because he knows what that's going to do to us and as you said uh, ladies that went through that process and uh, went to the abortion clinics and and did that, they were more likely to go back. And so there's this this moral decay that the world ushers in. This is okay. You go through it. You realize yes. it's not okay, but you've already done it. And so it's just like a slippery slope from there. So it's not only a part of God's law, but it's a part of our own uh moral code uh and so when we go against our own moral code there's going to be consequences there's going to be fractured things in our lives and when we go against god's law it's the same thing he's just trying to express to us he created us he knows us and he knows what's bad for us and he always errs on the side of life and that's what I want Robbie to kind of bring up is that at conception, that is life, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Before I get there, I want to share one thing just to say thank you so much for Heather, uh, for your openness and your honesty and the the love and the compassion you have for, for these young ladies. Just thank you so much for that. I think back to, to John chapter 8 when Jesus meets with a woman. Uh, this woman is, is naked and exposed before Jesus. They, she was caught in adultery, and she stands before Jesus, and, and the people all around her are screaming at Jesus, saying, this woman was caught in adultery. Our law tells us that she should she should die, that she should be stoned. Uh, what do you say, Jesus? And, and Jesus is looking down at the ground, and what I love about him looking down at the ground and drawing in the dirt, and, you know, people talk about him drawing in the dirt, but what I love is, is his face is down because when he looks at the woman, he doesn't see a woman. He sees a child. And he sees a broken child, a child that's hurting, a, a child that's being manipulated, who who is brought into a situation she didn't want to be in. And Jesus has so much compassion on her. 
that the only time he looks at her is to tell her that, look, I don't condemn you. I, I, I love you. I, I want you to go, and I don't want you to sin anymore, but that's for your benefit. That, that's not uh, because I'm expecting you to live a perfect life, uh, but because sin leads to death, and I don't want you to have any part of death. I come to bring abundant life. And so uh, Jesus tells the, the crowd around him, he, he says, um, okay, you're right. The law does say that person with, without any sin uh, can, can throw that stone and then everybody else can join in. The problem is, is that every single one of us has sinned. Every one of us ha- has flaws. Every one of us go against the nature and character of God. And I, I hate to say this, but I've been a Christian uh, for over 15 years. And guess what? I struggle with sin daily. I, I struggle with temptation. I, I struggle with doing the things that I don't, I know that I shouldn't do. And I struggle with not doing the things that I know that I should do. So I can't cast a stone at anyone. And just like Jesus, uh, we want to say to you, if you're listening to, uh, listening to this and, and you've had an abortion, is that uh, we don't condemn you. We can't judge you. We love you and want to see you healed at peace with God, uh, the great father uh, of all of us, the, the, the creator of all things, uh, the one that uh, sent his only son to die for us so that we could have uh, eternal life. And so uh, I'm going to get into some biology, but I wanted to give uh, my heart behind the message. I, I, I'm not pro-life uh, because I want to dictate how you live your life. In fact, um, Brother Christian and I uh, tend to be uh, more of the people that say, we want everybody to be able to live the lives that they choose. Um, and we don't get into politics on, on this, but, but we like for people to be able to live life how they choose. However, uh, we also have to, to explain things to people in a way that there is truth and that there is consequences to not living by the truth. And, and so one of the consequences of, of not living by the truth ultimately is, is living in sin and that leads to death. But biologically, or biologically, uh, we, we see here um, from a, a few different uh, biology textbooks that in fact a human life begins at uh, what they're going to call fertilization, uh, which is conception. So when the sperm meets the egg, we see that a unique life begins. I'm going to read a, a, a few different, um, a, a few different statements from a few different textbooks to help us understand this. Uh, The first one is T.W. Langman's Medical uh, Embryology, 7th edition. Uh, It was uh, published in uh, in Baltimore, and it says, the development of a human being uh, begins with fertilization, a process of which um, the sperm from the male and the egg of the woman unite uh, to give rise to a new organism, the zygote. And so what it's saying here is that as soon as that, that sperm touches that egg, a new organism is formed. We hear a lot that it's my body, my choice. And uh, we're not going to get into that too much, but what we're trying to show you here is that a new life, a new body is formed at the moment of fertilization. So you can't say it's my body and it's my choice um, not politically, uh, you can say that politically, but scientifically you can't say that uh, because the moment the sperm touches the egg, a new life is formed. That is, that is further mm-hmm. explained here uh, from 
the textbook Human Embryology and Teriology, second edition, uh, published in New York. It says, although life is a continuous process, fertilization uh, is a uh, critical landmark because under ordinary circumstances, a new genetically distinct human uh, organism is thereby formed. The combination of the 23 uh, chromosomes present in each uh, pronucleus results in 46 chromosomes in the zygote. That means that from fertilization, this new organism, this new human being, is completely distinct. There's no other human in the history of humanity that's going to be just like this person. They are completely unique. Thus, the diploid uh, number is restored and the embryonic genome is formed. The embryo now exists as a genetic unity. What that means is that this is, is an individual life. Um, and, and so when at, at fertilization or conception, however you would like to say it, the life of a child is formed. It is, it is made. It is started. And so we see here that um, why are we pro-life all the way from conception from fertilization, because in that moment of fertilization, a completely unique life is formed. A life that Jesus loved so much that before time existed, uh, in, in Genesis 1, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in order for there to be life, there have to be three things, time, space, and matter. Well, in the beginning, time, uh, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. So before time, space, and matter came to be by our God, he knew that we were going to be sinful people. He knew that even before he created us, that we were going to fall short of his glory, that we were going we to sin and go against his nature and his character. He was going to give us the choice and we were going to fail. But even before that, the New Testament says, before the foundation of the world uh, was, that, that Christ died for us. And so that baby that, that is in the womb was loved by God, not just from birth, not, not just when they drew their first breath. That, that wasn't when God started loving them. He started loving them before it was even possible for them to be alive. He looked forward in time and he saw mercy and he had grace and mercy on mercy and he loved her so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And one day, Heather, I'm so excited for you. You're going to be able to wrap your arms around mercy. Oh, what a joyful day that'll be. Yes. Hallelujah. But we have to realize that, that, that this life, no matter how precious, uh, no, no matter how viable people say it is, is loved and cherished by God. Mm -hmm. before, the, before you as an individual were a thought on your mother and dad's mind that Jesus died for you and he loved you and he wants to show mercy and grace to you. And so we are, are pro-life, um, not just spiritually, uh, because God, God is for life and God is the author of life and he comes to bring life and life more abundantly, but also mm -hmm. scientifically uh, because we believe that a child is a child from the moment the sperm touches uh, the egg. And I have a lot more uh, evidence through uh, different uh, biological textbooks. Now, these are uh, textbooks that university 
uh, universities use. And I actually uh, got these uh, resources from a medical university, uh, and they used it for a, a very recent article that they put out. Uh, and so all of these are, are coming directly from medical universities uh, who tend to support uh, the pro-choice movement. Uh, but we believe that, that scientifically and spiritually, life begins at the moment uh, uh, the egg touches the sperm, or the sperm touches the egg. And so, uh, Brother Christian, I think you've got some more uh, scripture for us. Yeah. Uh, Sister Heather, do you have anything to say about that? I do. Oh. Um, well, a few things come to my mind. When um, One thing about the story uh, about the woman caught in the act of adultery. Yeah. Um, I heard, I, I love that you shared that because that is just so much in, in, um, in our recovery, our abortion mm. recovery, that, that is actually one of the, um, the, the, the scriptures that we go to. Yeah. And, um, I heard a pastor say, you know, Jesus didn't throw stones. He throw, mm -hmm. he threw mercy mm -hmm. and yeah. you know, been there to receive that uh, so much. And, um, you know, when you think about life and you think about conception and I'm so glad you broke that all down, you know, on a, a medical standpoint, a scientific, you know, so, I mean, this is again, comment. I mean, it, you know, anyone who, you know, picks up one of those books, you know, yeah. you can see that, you know, yeah. we've had nurses who've had abortions who, who shared later, they had to check out from what they knew medically yeah. of what life was to go and do, you know, what they did. And mm -hmm. of course, I always also think about the scripture about, um, I knew you before I formed you and your mother's yeah, womb, and I appointed you a prophet to the nation. So, you know, but I mean, just it, from that medical standpoint you're talking about, I mean, we're a smart, you know, uh, society. We're smart. I mean, God's given us a, 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 a brain, you know, yeah. and, you know, even if you're not a believer, I mean, it does not take much to look and see, yeah. you know, that is life. And that mm -hmm. is where that ultrasound uh, is such a beautiful thing. Yes. Uh, working on the mobile and showing uh, the ultrasound to those moms. And we yeah. saw some of those babies just show out mm -hmm. on those ultrasounds. Unfortunately, uh, we've seen a lot of babies on those ultrasounds that we were the only people to see them. Mm. You know, mm. that that's whew, that's big. Yeah. Uh, but we also uh, had so many um, just moments where there was one baby uh, she had went to, the mom had went to uh, the abortion clinic and they were very deceptive. Also, where you get that information is very important because they did an ultrasound on her and said she was, you know, probably eight weeks or whatever. And it was very faint and fuzzy. She came to us and we're like, well, you're here. Let's just do another ultrasound. Let's see, you know, let's see see what we see just you know a second look and that baby was 15 weeks old oh wow that baby was like pointing its finger right. <laughs> sort of like hey right. mom look at me yeah. Um, yeah. and at one point the whole screen went black but you could see, see two hands up in yeah. the air yeah. and so how beautiful is that yeah. with the yeah. gift of technology and medicine and science, you know, what that we can see that window to the womb because mm -hmm. the, the babies deserve that yes. and the mamas deserve to see the truth. So I'm so glad you broke all that down because, you know, that is a very, I mean, the truth is truth and, mm -hmm. and life is life. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And about 80% of 
women that are seeking an abortion, if they go and get an ultrasound at one of these places outside of the clinics, they're, they're 80% more likely to not go through That's right. with those abortions. That's and right. because they see, they see the picture proof right there. And mm -hmm. even concerning conception with this new technology that we have, uh, I watched the video of uh, the egg being fertilized. Um, and there's just, as soon as, as soon as the sperm hits the egg, there's this bright light mm. on the ultrasound as yeah. this life is created and it's just like you see the power of god yeah. in this small little fashion but it's such a powerful scene to see but it's i want to read yeah it's yeah phenomenal yeah it's and it's it's crazy to to witness these things and and that's that's what the world is all about is deteriorating these things making these things seem uh, like it's normal in that the science, they, they talk about science all the time, follow the science yet, uh, politically, they like to ignore the science. They, they like yeah. to, uh, convince young ladies, uh, and young men that, that this is a right and that this is healthcare. Uh, but it's not, it's, it's really, it's them stealing the rights, uh, and health, the, right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness from yes. uh, the unborn. And, and it's hard to look at a young lady that is going through an abortion. I don't know how people do this and, and say that it's their fault when they've been so, so greatly tricked yes. by the world. And, and so I, I really feel for those young ladies. And that is why it's important, as you said, to march every year, even if these things uh, turn around, even when Roe v. Wade gets reversed, even if every abortion clinic is closed down, we still need to continue to march for life and, and, and yes, absolutely preach life. But I want to read out of Psalms chapter 139, verse 13 through 16. And this is a Psalm of David and it's so beautiful. And as you know, David, he, he writes these songs and these poems and you can really see his heart, but he says, for it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's wound. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wondrous and I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. Brother Rob, what do you got to say about that? Yeah, I, I want to uh, share this. Uh, my wife is pregnant right now. We're, we're expecting Millie Grace to come uh, in uh, November, uh, probably October. Natalie, uh, two other, her two other pregnancies ended uh, a week or two weeks early, and we got to, to hold our precious children a little bit early. Uh, and so we're expecting October, but, but nonetheless, what amazes me right now is that um, my wife is carrying Millie Grace, and she's about 15 weeks, and we went last week to see an ultrasound, and uh, she was just laying there. 
uh, and kind of we were guessing probably just sleeping and just st- sitting still. The ultrasound tech, uh, you know, I don't know the scientific terminology for all this, but took the wand from the ultrasound and and pressed around Natalie's belly and woke Millie up, and she went crazy she was flipping and turning and and yelling at us i think but 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 nonetheless it it was such a a precious moment for us uh to see our little one uh in action and um and, and it just makes me think that that god's hands not only are sustaining the universe um that he's sustaining the laws of the universe he's sustaining my very breath uh but the the god of the universe by his very hands like he he doesn't leave it to a process but by his his own hands creates us and and puts us together in our mother's wombs and that just it just is such a beautiful reality just absolutely amazing that god cares so much about us that that he would reach in to our lives and, and to work marvelously uh, in, in in Natalie's belly. I mean, just to to think inside Natalie, there's a a a a a person that I'm going to love and cherish for the rest of my life. Um, you know what's a, another amazing thought, and and this just shows you how amazing the 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 science has become. We have now realized that inside of Natalie is Millie, but because of the way God has formed uh, the, the female body, the eggs that Millie will carry around that will one day, if God blesses her to, uh, to, to produce children, uh, are, are being formed in Millie already. That means that Natalie gets to carry around our grandchildren. And that just... <laughs> That blows that blows me away. It, it's so precious, and and one of the attacks of the enemy is not just on the baby, but it's on motherhood. There there is nothing on earth like motherhood. Uh, it, it is so beautiful, and and I know Christian, you have a a child, and um, to see our wives become mothers is just the most amazing experience. Oh, yeah. the, that, that I have outside of, uh, of being a child of God. Um, I love my wife before we had children, uh, but to see how much she loves our children and how much she gives for our children and how good of a mother she is, uh, makes me love her so much more. And, uh, and, and it's motherhood is just a beautiful thing that, that Satan is, is uh, attacking from every angle, uh, from the idea that, um, mothers aren't mer- mothers, but they're birthing people. Um, to to the fact that you don't have to be a mother if you don't want to. Um, the fact is, is that once there once you're pregnant, you are a mother, and, and God has instilled in, in mothers this this love and care and this need to take care of these these children. That uh, when you take that take that life, you're also taking your motherhood, and and that brings in all these uh, oh, yeah. emotions, and 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 so this this passage just brings so much to my mind, and I could keep going, but but Heather, I'll, I'll let you uh, speak for just a second. Oh, gosh. Well, I love hearing you guys talk about babies and life and your wives, and it's such a precious thing. Um, life is such a beautiful thing, and it is, and it's a, um, I heard, um, I read somewhere about 
you know, the enemy's attack on women mm. and how targeted that is because we give life. That's right. Mm -hmm. we, we birth life. Yeah. And um, it is an attack on motherhood. It's an attack on fatherhood. Mm -hmm. Our whole world is yeah. devastated by abortion. Yeah. There's no one that hasn't been affected. You're, I mean, mother, father, you know, if it's a grandchild, a, an aunt, uncle, niece, cousin, I mean, we're all affected, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. it's an aftermath. And uh, in Jeremiah, the word says, you know, they dress up the wound of my people and say, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Mm. We cannot have peace in our country allowing, you know, and saying that this is the law of our land and that, you know, it's okay to take the the blood, you know, the lives of the most innocent. Our yes. country is saturated with that, you know, yeah. and I just think um, if we have a cause, you know, isn't there a cause? Yeah. If we have a cause to stand up, we have to start with that because I don't That's think right. we're going to have peace in so many other things if we don't get this right. That's right. right. You know, like if we don't get it from the from the littlest, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the smallest, yeah. um, then we're not going to get it right in the rest. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I just really appreciate you guys. I love your passion and heart for the Lord. Uh, for life uh, and for your brothers and sisters in Christ and, and for these precious babies for their lives. Yeah. And I would, I would give a perspective here that sometimes we forget to look at, but one of the, what I consider the earliest forms of abortion is recorded in scripture with Egypt. Uh, Pharaoh looked down on the Israelites and said uh, they're growing too strong kill all of their baby boys and mm -hmm. yeah. uh, they they did uh, what we now consider uh, late term abortion mm -hmm. that is considered in the world morally correct and it's so strange to to hear that that's considered moral in in healthcare but yet there was a faithful woman that even though the world told her her baby had to be killed she trusted god she hid him away she ignored the demands of the world and now we have the first five books of the bible hmm. just think had she listened to pharaoh and went through with that and had given up her baby we we wouldn't have is in depth of an understanding in scripture because Moses was who God used to give us those first five books of the Bible. And so just think the world and the enemy, Satan here is, is playing what he, well, I hate to say it like this, but a smart game. Because mm -hmm. when we abort a child, when someone goes through that, they, they, this whole life that could have been a curse or could have been a blessing to the world uh, is completely wiped out. And we never know what could have been. We never get to experience that. And so much good can be taken away. And I believe that those that are going to be a blessing are typically more of a blessing than those that are going to be a curse. And so 
just just the thought of this the enemy is playing the long game i can get rid of of so many people that could stand up for god i could get rid of so many people that could change the world for the better just by convincing them that this is health care and that this is a right and it, it saddens me that our world has gotten to that and i think the best way to combat this is not to go out and, and take our Bibles and hit people in the head, uh, not to scream uh, derogatory things at them and, and make them feel worse. But I think the best way is to offer them hope, hope yes. uh, medically, hope spiritually. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know if you are listening to this today, that there is another way other than abortion. I can't even begin to imagine some of the thoughts as a young woman you are going through right now, but there is a way and there is a hope. And we want you to know that you can reach out to us on our Facebook page, type in faith one, six, eight podcast. And if you don't have any hope right now, if you're looking for another way, I want you to contact us. Through the Faith 168 podcast, we are connected to many sources and we are connected to many churches that are very pro-life. And they don't just want to see your baby be born. They want to provide a future for you and your baby. That's right. So I want to again say there is another way and we are here to help, not condemn, but to help in whatever way we can. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So do y'all have anything else to say before we end this podcast today? I just want to say thank you for extending that hand um, uh, of hope to hurting people. You know, God has a way of planting this right, um, you know, on the ears and hearts um, of those who need it the most. And I, I just wanted to share something about my daughter, Mercy. The Lord revealed to me that she would be born January 24th, uh, 1996. So every year I hold a service called a celebration of life. Mm -hmm. We honor the babies. Uh, we honor, uh, we honor life. <laughs> every life, like you said, has a purpose. And so I always think, you know, um, you know, she'd be 26 and so i think about what you know there's a big loss of you know each year you know thinking where would she be you know would i have grandchildren at this point you know what what was god's plan for her to do and um when i was praying outside of one of the abortion the abortion clinic that closed in nashville that whole front of that clinic was lined with these big huge rose bushes it was such a beautiful thing and such a hard place and uh, when I was praying there, the Lord revealed a vision of my daughter in heaven, and she was walking in this field of roses, big, huge roses. Um, and they, the, but the roses were on the ground; they were huge, and there was a baby nestled in each one of those roses. And I realized that her plan and purpose in heaven um, was there with those lives that were are taken too soon. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that I was partnering with heaven. Yeah. What we're doing right now yeah. is partnering with heaven. And each one of those lives of those children that was lost too soon, they know when we show up, it's the great cloud of witnesses. 
they know uh, when we care and when we're fighting for life and that each one of those lives was not in vain, mm-hmm. that they have a purpose. So mm-hmm. I, I thank you guys because you're doing that right now, being a voice that each one of these lives is not in vain and that each life that these moms are carrying in the womb when they hear this, um, that there is life, there's hope, and uh, God has a plan. Absolutely. Uh, Heather, do you have a, a way for, um, do you have any like resources? Do you have like a, a website or, or anything like that for, for young ladies uh, where they might could go and get, get hope as well? Absolutely. So um, we have a Facebook page. It's called Mercy's Garden. Uh, so they can uh, message us through that if they want to. Um, everything is safe and confidential. Also, Surrendering the Secret is um, a, an international ministry. You can also look them up. Uh, and then, of course, the pregnancy centers, uh, whether you're facing a, an All of these things will help you in any of these, whether you're facing uh, an unplanned pregnancy or if you are dealing with the the hurt and pain from abortion. Um, Pregnancy centers uh, usually always uh, have resources to help get connected. And then uh, you can contact me uh, personally. I'll give you my number, 270-719-0735. I would be honored to talk to you. I know how hard it is to step out, uh, but... uh, the enemy loves isolation, and when we start to come out of that, uh, life begins. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I have one more verse of scripture I want to read to you, and it's one that uh, Heather has been quoting this whole time, and it's just beautiful to me, and I hope this gives you one last glimpse of hope. I know that in, in perilous times and in, in times where uh, everything around you is just consuming you, it's always good to have a uh, a, a glimpse of hope. And this is what Jesus wants to do for you. It's what he's done for me and Brother Christian and, and Heather and what he wants to do for you more than anything else. It's found in the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 61. Let me read that to you. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed, uh, anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, uh, and splitted clothes instead of despair, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him." What Jesus wants to do for you today, if you'll let him, is to take your broken heart and to start to mend it, to to take the the ashes that you have on your head, and this is a symbol of, of shame and guilt, um, and replace the, those ashes and they, to give you a crown of beauty. Uh, he wants to anoint your head with oil, which, which symbolizes healing. He wants to heal you uh, from the inside out. Uh, he wants to, to, to restore your broken heart. He wants to give you liber- liberty from the shame, the, the pain, the sorrow that, that keeps you down. And so um, I just challenge you, uh, above all else, seek Jesus. Because when you find Jesus, you find hope and peace and, and comfort and, and you find grace, you find mercy. And that is the only thing uh, that can heal um, our broken hearts. And so I just challenge you. Reach out to Jesus. He's there. He's waiting. 
uh, for you to extend the invitation for him to come and to start that healing process. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, as always, Brother Rob, it was a joy to record another episode of Faith 168 and Sister Heather. I thank you so much for your testimony uh, and for your input uh, in a time where I think it, a lot of, of people need to hear more about these issues uh, from a biblical standpoint, but more than that, the biblical standpoint leads us not to hellfire and brimstone all the time, but to yes. grace, mercy, and love. So thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, Brother Christian, um, yeah, I, I feel led to have uh, Sister Heather pray us out, if, if that's okay. I hope I'm not well, putting you on the, anyway. on the spot. <laughs> no, that was about to ask <laughs> oh, her. Good deal. Was... Good deal. <laughs> Oh, goodness. I'd be honored to. Yeah. I'd be honored to. Uh, Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your presence. God, we thank you that you make beauty for ashes. Yes. We are all a testimony of that. We are all a testimony of whatever our pit was. You yes. came and you got us out and you rescued us. Lord, I pray that anyone that would hear this that is in need of rescuing would feel your arms wrapped around yes. them. Uh, just love and hope and Lord, you just wash it all away. You make us clean. The enemy says we're not clean. We are clean in you by the blood of Jesus. So Lord, I just pray that over every broken heart that would hear this, Lord, there's more. There's more to your life. God has more. God has a new beginning and it will be beyond anything you could ever imagine. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. And Lord, I pray over any mother uh, or father that is uh, just contemplating this decision, Lord, uh, of of life. And we just pray that life is chosen yes. and not death, blessings and not curses. Okay. Um, I pray that we would would see um, every day we are made in your image and those lives are made in your image. Father, we thank you that you would rise us up, raise us up to be a culture of life. Yes. Lord, uh, when this law is overturned, Lord, there's so much healing. There's a lifetime of healing um, that needs to happen. Yes, yes. But Lord, you're in the business of healing. Mm -hmm. So Lord, we thank you, God, that one touch from you and, and we are made new. I lift my sweet brothers up to you. And I thank you, God, for expanding their ministry, Lord, that every person that needs to hear uh, their podcast and their message, expand their reach, Lord. They're doing your work. Bless them. Bless their uh, families, Lord. Thank you, God, that as we are sowing into the kingdom, you are sowing into our lives because everything that's in our lives pertains to you, Lord. Mm -hmm. God, I thank you that what the enemy meant for harm, you use for the saving of many lives. Yes. I pray, sure. Lord, uh, just uh, for, again, that beauty for ashes. Lord, you restore us. You give us hope and you give us life. And Lord, you turn us into a well-watered garden. Yes. Lord, I pray uh, that you are making things new today. Behold, I make all things new. This is a new day. Yes. Wherever you are in your life, today is a new day. Yes. Let God's mercy and grace touch you. Let him wipe away your tears, bottle those tears, let him pick you up and carry you out of the miry clay. 
and trust in him with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He is good and he is faithful and he keeps his word. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you're going to do. Turn our hearts towards you. If you, if anyone hears this and they want to know, how can I make a difference? What can I do to support life? God, I lift up those pregnancy centers, the healing yes. um, organizations, God. And I pray, Lord, for the abortionist that's going to yes. hear this yes. and for the abortion workers. Yes. And I pray, God, that you turn their hearts towards yes. you, Father. No one is too far gone. Right. No one. And God, I, I can't imagine the pain and the darkness and what they're feeling looking at that precious life. And Lord, there is a way out. You are the way out. And I yes. pray that you would turn them from life takers to life savers in yes, one Jesus. second, Lord, in one touch, and that they would be the loudest mouthpiece for life. Yes. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. We thank you all for joining us here today at Faith 168. We love you and we pray that God blesses you this week. Thanks for joining us today. Every week has its trials and tribulations, and we want to encourage you to seek Christ during those times. We want to pray for you during those times. So look us up on Facebook by typing in Faith 168 Podcast and send us a message. It can be a prayer request, or maybe you want us to answer a question that you've been contemplating. Just send us a message. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we will see you again in 168 hours.